and welcome to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. We are doing uh, a f- unique show for us. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Dakota, why don't you go ahead and talk and see if they can catch on to why it's unique. <laughs> <laughs> we are both isolated in our own bunkers, I guess. Yeah, just... I'm trying to avoid this virus. We're both trying to be responsible citizens, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, just... Doing a little bit of our own self-distancing, as the the fancy word is for it. And so, yeah, yeah, we're, we're making it work. Moving on. There's not going to be many new movies in theaters for a while to come. I mean, there will be, but they're probably going to do better on streaming. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm actually going to just throw this out there. Um, do it. Uh, Lob it out there. I'm actually kind of glad James the James Bond movie was pushed back because... Uh, you know, I'm going to go see it when it comes out because, you know, I've been a Bond fan in all these years. Sure. Can't, can't just ban the franchise. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man, I was so, so not ex- what What's the opposite of excited? Was... Uh, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of ways because for me, I'm kind of like this is getting – a lot of big buzz and attention. I think probably cause it's going to be Daniel Craig's last one, but it's like, I haven't been excited for a bond movie in about three movies. <laughs> if I'm honest. Ouch. Um, and so, I mean, I, yeah, I don't like you're numb. Maybe like, you, <laughs> yeah, there you go. like you're not, you don't know what you should feel. So maybe it's good that they're holding it off. Cause then maybe it'll help build that anticipation that you're hoping to have. Is that kind of what you're, <laughs> Well, you know, I just, it's, it's, and I don't think we've ever talked about this on any of our episodes. On air? (laughs) Yeah, it's so weird because we've seen all these franchises that once upon a time we held near and dear, you know, uh, recently we saw uh, the Terminator (laughs) franchise kind of just implode. Um, Yeah, and what's funny is Dark Fate actually isn't that bad of a movie. I mean, it's not great. But it's not an abomination. Uh, oh, yeah. But it just didn't... Nobody cared anymore. You know? Yeah, then then you have the the uh, the franchise that went down in just, just total flames. I'm looking at you, Predator. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, I just... If you want to hear Dakota's thoughts on that, we have a very good The Predator episode <laughs> where... Dakota just really lays into that one. <laughs> oh, I'm still just shaking my head. <laughs> well, it feels like three years later, but it was a year and a half ago. Is that really all? Oh, it does feel a long time ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, but, you know, I just I just had, I got this feeling that it's, it's going to be just another one of those put the franchise in the grave type movies. <laughs> uh, you're talking no time to die now. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could be kind of like the, the last Pierce Brosnan one where it kind of went out like a wet fart and then they kind of did. You're, I mean, they, they did, did. And then they kind of did have to let James Bond die and then rebirth him. And, yeah, it's just hard to say. I think there's a lot of things. I don't. Th- I think even if No Time to Die is a decent movie, it's still probably gonna have to 
die a little bit and be reborn a little bit just because of the whole Daniel Craig situation too. Yeah. Um, he had such a unique different take on it and you're not going to want to copy that because then you're just going to be compared and people are going to be like, Oh, it's just a copy. And so they might just have to let it die and then figure out how to bring it back, which I'm, my guess would be a woman. That's where I think they're going to go because everything is, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and maybe even a black woman, they might, they might even just go all the way and be like, well, what if it was not only a woman, but it was a minority woman? Um, because I mean, why not? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of quality, uh, black British women actors out there right now where, it probably wouldn't be a terrible idea to even do that. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do and how this movie even is. So, uh-huh. But yeah, we're not here <laughs> to talk about that, though. So, uh, But I hope you enjoyed that little Bond talk. Uh, Dakota, yeah, you were starting to talk about what this episode is. It was kind of a, a brainchild you've had for a while. And we might we were thinking about re- turning this into a recurring thing we come back to also but Dakota why don't you go ahead and kind of set up what this episode is going to be a little bit all right you know there there are so many incidents in history that are interesting that had huge lasting impacts that we're still feeling today or uh things that at the time just completely changed the world that happened that we don't learn about or you know kind of get kind of just washed over uh, in schools and such, and uh, well, I picked an incident that uh, had repercussions for uh, Europe and kind of in general at the time period. Uh, Stevens is going to kind of cover America, but it's just you know, there's uh, people are always looking for like, oh, fresh ideas, you know, to make uh, for movies. Uh, you could, you know, go to the wellspring like, oh, well, this book was really popular. Let's, let's get it made. Or you could, you could go down the route of let's try to turn this video game into a movie. There's always that. <laughs> fail completely. Oh, lordy. You know, we haven't done a video game episode, Dakota. That might be something to put on the back burner. <laughs> yeah. But Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, they they were for a while there, and they're still doing it. They were basically scouring old old properties. You know, everyone everyone that once had like a a hit movie like found a way to re repurpose it for <laughs> the current generation. That's true. But you know, the, something fresh, something uh, kind of do something fresh. I thought this would be a cool idea because. Like I said, there's a lot of really interesting historical events out there that I think would make great blockbuster movies, very thoughtful blockbuster movies, um, and something to kind of just, you know, uh, hear the Dakota Boys talk movies. We're a fan of the Marvel movies, but, you know. Yeah, right. We also like a little bit of variety. Yeah, I mean, variety's so. always good, and and I'll get into it with my choice, but, like, I kind of almost want mine to be a little bit of a cause you to maybe have a little bit of contemplative meditation too on just 
the human experience a little bit too. But yeah, and and I really think that's what historical movies can do is we're looking at a point in history. We're seeing how people reacted, how people didn't react maybe at times and it can kind of cause a little bit of contemplation or introspection on how we respond as humans. And I always find that fascinating in a lot of historical movies. So, yeah. Um, but besides the fact that an event can just be, you know, change the course of the way the world goes and all those types of things too. So, well, should we get into it, Dakota? Yeah, with that being said, uh, let's roll, Stephen. Let's do this. All right. No, I'm going first, right? I already forgot. (laughs) Okay. All right. So what I picked for mine uh, was, I was thinking, when Dakota brought this up to me, I thought it was a fantastic idea. And so I really wanted to think about the first one I wanted to bring up. And this, I don't know, I didn't really dig into if this has been made into like maybe a TV movie or whatever i'm sure at some point it was made into something because everything kind of has it's just that dakota and i are talking about making some sort of theatrical release recognized movie (laughs) and as far as i know it's never happened with this story but it's uh john brown's raid uh on harper's ferry is kind of would be the central the central part of this movie but kind of how i see this movie is maybe you kind of open it with the day of the raid of when it's going to happen, but then kind of then go back and show a little bit uh, of the events that kind of led to this, led to John Brown getting to this point of taking over, (laughs) taking over the arsenal basically at Harper's Ferry and thinking he was going to cause all of the slaves to just revolt against their masters and it just ends slavery in this one in this one action. Um, some people would call it maybe a little too idealistic what he was doing, but I think that's where you could go back and look at what what did John Brown, why did John Brown think this would work, you know? And so you kind of look at his life, and of course he he's brought up in a very uh, I don't know. I suppose we call it conservative Christian household now, and I guess that's what you'd probably call it then. And his you know, his, so he's raised by, uh, his father was an art, like just strong abolitionist too. Um, and, uh, and so John Brown kind of became that helps with the underground railroad actually heard Frederick Douglass speak, heard Sojourner Truth speak. So there's even these moments you could kind of maybe kind of go back and show as you're seeing the raid begin to happen of, of John Brown's, uh, the momentum leading all the way to this, to the, to the point of this raid. And, uh, um, I think what's interesting about him is just looking and seeing, you know, he was considered a complete radical, uh, who would, who was willing to use violent means, you know, in this sense. I mean, he was, his, his idea here was like, take down your masters with these guns, you know, is what, what was going on here. Um, and so I just think that this would just be a fascinating story to tell and just see how these interactions with Frederick Douglass um, push you more. And then you could even kind of look at, you know, the fact that Douglass thought he went, he was too far, you know, and just how militant he became and things like this. Um, see some of that work 
with the Underground Railroad he did. And then, of course, having your Apex be the complete Harper's Ferry attack raid, however you want to look at it, uh, where he he goes there on this night in October with his 21 men that he had and, uh, you know, taking these hostages and really just thinking this insurrection would begin. Um, but they, and then this lasted like uh, two days. Yeah. And then also you kind of bring in uh, this, the person who was called on the scene to end this insurrection was none other than Robert E. Lee, who was asked by the U.S. government, you know, which he was still um, working for at this point, to stop this raid. Um, and then the crazy thing, too, is in less than a month, um, Brown was tried, convicted as guilty, and was sentenced to death and hung. <laughs> And then was transported across the country with his noose still around his neck uh, in the coffin. And so, I mean, you have just this fascinating story here. But I think the other thing that's kind of fascinating about this is that what makes this event, event even more significant than just that it was an event that happened was that this was really one of the things that is looked to at what really instigated the beginnings of the Civil War really starting i mean not this not saying that if this didn't happen there wouldn't be a civil war there probably still would have been eventually but probably what led to it happening uh, as quickly as it did um because this is one of the events that um the south started getting more angry at the union and fingers started getting pointed which led to uh states in the south beginning their leaving of the union and so, I don't know, I just see, like, a lot of interesting elements to play within this movie. And I also think that if it's done well, but put together by the right screenwriter and the right director, or if that's the same person, writing and directing, that it could really be a meditative movie a little bit, too. It just looking like, yeah, John Brown maybe was doing things that a lot of people would consider right, but he was also doing things that were very wrong, and... You know, he's looked to as a martyr by some and a psycho by others. And so I think there's kind of a cool area to play with there where you can leave it a little. Let's not call him a hero and let's not call him a villain and just allow you to soak that in a little bit. So I don't know. I just see that as kind of an interesting story. I'm just kind of surprised no one's ever tried it. So, um, yeah, Dakota, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on <laughs> Harper's Ferry? You know, every time I think back to this event, I just remember my history teacher in high school. Uh, He was fresh out of college. This was like his first uh, real teaching gig, uh, teaching us punk high school history. And he had a field day (laughs) the day he described the events of the attack on Harper's Ferry to us because he... He, like, really just got into it instead of talking about how, oh, they did this, and then, like, the townspeople just came out and just all, you know, they all started arming up and, yeah. oh, let's go get these guys, and just basically was kind of, uh, oh, how do, how do I say, um, kind of uh, play acting in a way, but also uh, from 
from how he said how he thought people back then would have been reacting like like oh my gosh this black guys got guns oh my god yeah um, and, so I, that's... and I yeah and that's and that's the thing I think you can just kind of I would just like to leave a lot of that hanging in the movie when people start saying things like that or when John Brown is citing his Christianity as why he what he was doing was right and then you could even have other show other people uh in the Christian community just being like no this is your violence is never right you know and just kind of play with all those things you know and I, I remember I was looking at my notes there was one thing I forgot to bring up the, a very significant thing that led to his abolitionism too was that when he was 12 um he saw a uh an African American slave boy uh being just just severely beaten and that was one of the events that just really just stuck with him and he could never lose that memory and really I think just led to why he just became so ardent and uh yeah just I don't know he's just an interesting figure because uh he's he's one of those people where you're like he's crazy but there's a certain level of sanity to him and so that's what makes people like this I think really fascinating so which I don't know. I I was trying to think about who could play that, like someone who come who who can be crazy and seem sane and all at the same time. I was struggling, you know, because yeah. it would have to be someone in their kind of early fifties or in that area too. And I was like, God, who could do this? I don't well, know. Maybe I mean, maybe Michael Emerson. I don't know if you if you know him. He played uh, uh, Linus in Lost, and he was in that Person of Interest show with Jim Caviezel. You know, it's like, maybe he could do it. I don't know. Yeah, you know, uh, this event's kind of gone over in history, American history classes in high school a lot. But, you know, they they never really talk about the man himself. Like, who was this guy? Like, yeah, his motivations, like... It's just like the history. The history chapter starts with like, oh, well, on this date, this this guy with some former slaves attempted to to steal these guns to cause a revolt, and it's like <laughs> right, okay. yeah. But it's like why, yeah. And yeah. that's and that's what I find fight fast. And that's why I would start it like how history class is. Like you're starting like with him prepping to go to the raid, and and then kind of trick you a little bit where you kind of keep getting fed from the beginning to a little bit, like how he grew up and what led to this moment a little bit. And I know maybe that's kind of been done before, but I don't know. I think it's kind of a cool way to tell a story. And I kind of like that way a little bit. So anyway, I don't know what I would call it. The raids already taken. Uh, (laughs) Maybe just, uh, Harper's Ferry. Yeah, you could just call it Harper's Ferry or John Brown or something like that, I guess. But uh, Dakota, let's let's move on to yours. Uh, I I feel like we've done that justice and maybe got people to look into that a little bit because uh, that's part of what these movies are meant to do too is get you to be like, I want to know more about that. Um, and so Dakota, what what do you got? What do you got? Okay. Uh, the historical events I would like to see turned into a movie would be the Battle of Elysia. Elysia. Oh my God! I just said Elysia. <laughs> the Battle of Elysia. Uh, that's something that happens in uh, high school hallways. 
<laughs> yes, Elysia. All right. Yeah. yeah, why don't you take us into that? All right. Well, I'm going to take you all the way back to 52 BC. Notice how I said BC and not BCE. <laughs> I'm a traditionalist. That's uh. why. <laughs> But anyway, the Roman Empire was kind of increasing in size and territory, and it was creeping out, you know, going into uh, what we call France was Gaul and Belgium. Uh, Of course, back then, Germany was still called Germany, uh, but they were just kind of creeping west and north. and one of the peoples that already lived in that territory at the time was called the Gauls. Which are they the now French? Is that right? Or that's now well, the Gaul is now France. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Gaul was already populated by the Gauls, which were, it was a bunch of tribes of Celts, oddly enough. Um, yeah, that is. I found when I found this out, I, I always thought that was odd. Was, you, you think Celts and you think um, you think you know Great Britain. Yeah. Apparently, the Celts left like uh, let kind of left people everywhere. Uh, most of them were horribly slaughtered by the Roman Empire. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, and kind of the the guy who was the figurehead of this movement, this expansion was Julius Caesar. I don't know if you ever heard of him. It's vague, but yeah, it's, it's <laughs> vaguely familiar. Kind of, kind of famous for his, uh, his salad, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> famous for his salad, uh, uh, being on a coin. I think that's about it. <laughs> uh, he made, he made uh, quite a delicious salad. <laughs> You know, something I, I learned a while ago, too, and I was uh, I didn't know how to feel about this. Apparently, his real you pronounce his name Kaiser, not Caesar. Really? That's interesting. That's uh, sounds German. But yeah, <laughs> but the C in Latin, you pronounce it like you pronounce like a hard K sound like Ka. So it's Kaiser. Interesting. Yeah, I'd, I've never heard that. You'd think like some pretentious historian on the history channel at one point would have been like julius kaiser <laughs> and you'd have been like what is he talking about <laughs> yeah it's, i don't know it's just one of those odd little historical facts but anyway so he was spearheading this this kind of movement to uh i'm not sure if he left out uh, he he went into this territory anticipating to just like force all the goals into submission. I think he was <laughs> just kind of hoping to, you know, threaten them a little bit. But of course, the Gauls, after kind of some defeats, they they tried to placate the Romans. Um, then there were some minor uprisings, and they managed to defeat the Romans. And it's uh, there was this kind of huge. I don't know if you call it patriotism because you know, Gaul wasn't really a country, but uh, these people. Uh, all kind of felt just enraged, like, "Oh yeah, let's go, let's go get these Romans and kill them, man! Let's go get after them." <laughs> well, and maybe like, would this have been instead of patriotism, just been like for honor or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe something like but, that. Yeah, the tri- the tribes that all uh, kind of coexisted, and 
shockingly, some of them are pretty huge, and I'll, I'll get into that when I explain some of these numbers here later, but um, one in particular uh, gull kind of had this idea that he should be the one that should be kind of uh, that that they should all just come together and he, he viewed the chieftains that were in charge as, as being weak. And oh, okay. his name was, uh, let me, uh, hold on. His name was a Versing Getterix, uh, this Gaul. And he kind of got everyone to band together and created like a pretty sizable armor army. He had 80,000 men and oh. 12,000 cavalry. And oddly enough, apparently he, he could have taken more men, but he was like, nah, man, we're okay. We're cool. We got this. <laughs> That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so he kind of goes out and starts antagonizing the Romans. And eventually Julius Caesar kind of brings his army north, starts uh, starts galvanizing the Romans to fight back. Uh, and at this point in time, any Roman who was actually in Gaul, if you were anywhere where these rebellious Gauls were kind of just kind of just tearing through the countryside, yeah, you were pretty much dead because they were just massacring any Roman citizens they found. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, which, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know how to feel about that. But uh, So anyway, what happened is eventually uh, the army of Julius Caesar tried to engage this army of, of Gauls. And versus Vin- uh, I feel like I'm going to have trouble saying his name. <laughs> I just said I just said John Brown. So, oh, <laughs> uh, he has like the most complicated name <laughs> of any historical figure. Versen Getter, uh, Versen Getterix. <laughs> oh gosh, it's okay. We're not we're not strapped into a time constraint here. So you just take your time getting that out, Dakota. <laughs> oh, thank, you, thank you. He only has like eighteen letters in his name. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, uh, he was kind of, for some reason, afraid, even though he had this very large army, he was kind of afraid of engaging Caesar in like an open open battle. Because mm. uh, Caesar at the time only had 50,000 men. So he got this great idea that he was going to go to uh, this kind of fortified town that sat on a hilltop and the town was called Elysia and I think in his mind this was this was a great move because uh, you know the the only option was then for the Romans to lay siege to them and he probably had hoped that they'd just attack him oh okay so he took he took up residence in this town, which, like I said, it was on a on a hill. Uh, so it would have been very hard for the Romans to kind of sail it. Well, because Julius Caesar uh, wasn't no fool, he got this crazy idea that 
he was going to build fortifications all around this this town and it ended up stretching 10 miles see i always get fascinated by things like that too in these types of things it's like they get these ideas to just fortify a place and you're like okay how long did it take him to do that you know how many men and it's like do they just stop warring where it's like we got to build some stuff for a while (laughs) i just always find that fascinating when things like this happen but yeah. <laughs> Apparently the Romans were uh, even for their time just really great at doing things like this and um you know naturally there's <laughs> uh Vercingetorix uh, uh saw what was going on and he immediately knew he was screwed. <laughs> So he actually tried, he didn't just let them put up this wall. He actually did try to uh, go out there and attack, you know, stop these people from basically sealing him in. Uh, But the problem is the Romans just kind of put their army out in front of the wall. Uh, And yeah, there was, there was some skirmishes, but nothing was really happening. Uh, and to make matters worse, uh, they just weren't putting up a wall. They had built a. Sorry, I got. I have some figures here. They built a twenty-foot-wide trench that was also twenty-foot, uh, twenty feet deep. My goodness! No, it, it gets better. After that, they built two more um, trenches both of them 15 feet wide and 15 feet deep. And one of them, they turned into a moat because (laughs) there was two rivers that kind of flowed on either side of Elysia. And they used those rivers to basically make a moat. And in between the kind of trenches, they put these, they dug these little pits and kind of concealed them. And at the bottom of these pits, they had a bunch of sharpened poles. So if you fell in one, you're pretty much, you're pretty much just dead. Oh, wow. So things were, things were really intense. They were not looking good for the Gauls at all. So <laughs> in kind of a very desperate uh, kind of final attempt, to get some sort of help versus uh, excuse me first here we go again versing getterix sent his entire cavalry this is this is twelve thousand troops on horseback he sent them out in the middle of the night and they snuck past uh, I, I don't think all of them made it of course but the plan was for them to sneak past the Romans and go back to their tribesmen and get as many men as they can to just come over well the, the Romans before they finish the wall. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. Uh, there, wa- there was a little bit of a hiccup, though. Uh, some of the cavalry that was sent out got captured. They were interrogated, which I don't want to even imagine what sort of punishment these men went through. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> to divulge this information, but they ended up revealing to the Romans what the plan was. So Caesar being just, I don't know, just being the brainiac that he was decided, hey, we're going to build another wall <laughs> around the wall we just built. Oh, my gosh. But this one's going to be, this one is going to keep out the people that are the relief army, basically. Oh, okay. And they put this up so fast that by the time the relief army showed up, which, once again, I have some more numbers here. And <laughs> this might actually kind of blow you away. Two... 100,000 or 240,000 infantry and 8,000 cavalry is what showed up to basically bail out the Gauls that were trapped in Lysia. Wow. Yeah, that is quite a huge. <laughs> and of course, there was a bit of a problem here. Like now, not only is not only are the Gauls stuck in Lysia, but Caesar basically kind of hemmed himself in. Yeah, right, sure. Uh, but, you know, there's this massive army, and unfortunately an army that large can't stay together that long because, you know, they got to they gotta have food, water. So they kind of, they basically just attacked right away. Uh, Caesar was able to kind of fend them off. Um the man leading the forces outside, his name was Commius. And he actually wasn't wasn't much of a fool. He sent uh, he sent kind of like a scouting party around looking for weak spots in the wall, and they found one. And he had this idea where if they launched an attack at a certain part of the wall, then this weak spot would be left completely open. And then they'd, they'd be able to just send their men through. They'd overwhelm the Romans. They'd be able to link up with Vercingetorix, uh, and they would win the day. Hmm. From his point of view, that is a solid plan. Like it's it's uh, problem is once again Caesar just just mad military genius. That he was. <laughs> well, that's what I was trying to remember. Was Julius Caesar or Marcus Aurelius considered like uh, the Caesar who was like the the big winner of battle Caesar? Wasn't that almost more Julius Caesar than Marcus Aurelius? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, this Marcus, guy, yeah, this guy wasn't a dummy. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, thing is, he realized what was going on and in the midst of all this chaos because the Gauls are just throwing remember this is this is two hundred and forty thousand men just throwing themselves at the wall. Yeah. Crazy. Um, they attacked in the middle of the day in the hopes that the Gauls inside Elysia would see what was going on and then also attack. Well, the one thing that Vercingetorix did right was actually attack them at the same time. Because he's like, oh man, something's going on. I better, I better you know, get ready and do this. So they marched out and the, the Romans are just getting completely, completely overwhelmed. 
and Julius Caesar sees that there's this this small, well, not not necessarily small, but this uh, certain amount of troops trying to breach the wall, and he did he he did the ultimate power move I think he could do back then, and he's just like I'm gonna just I'm just gonna ride into the battle and uh, <laughs> guys head on. Oh man! And here's something to something to note: Julius Caesar was actually very very loved by his troops, and um, back then, you know, kind of senior leader riding into battle right next to you, I guess it just really kind of amped things up. And sure enough, that's what happened. Um, Julius Caesar met this army, and then at the same time, there he sent kind of cavalry behind the Gauls to surprise them. And from all accounts, what happened next was just a giant massacre. It was just when the Gauls realized they were kind of trapped, they, yeah, everything broke down. Everyone tried to scatter. Unfortunately, there wasn't much, there wasn't much they could do. And yeah, basically by the end of the day, apparently the Romans were so tired that they, they didn't have this, the energy to even engage with any of the Gauls that were trying to escape. They just let them go. Oh, wow. Yeah, which wasn't very typical for them. Yeah. It would have been slaughtered at the last, in, in, in cases like this, anyway. But Versen Gedderich went back into Elysia. He, he, made, he made a decision to turn himself over to the Romans and basically surrender, kind of end this whole slaughter. Wow. Which, uh, it, it, I guess it worked because, you know, the, the Romans kind of, they didn't, they didn't meet out harsh punishment that you would assume. And it's, it's speculated that's because Julius Caesar was just amazed at their fighting ability. He was like, Oh man, I think enough, I think enough blood has been spilled. Which is saying something when a Roman's like, I think enough people have died. Yeah, like, what does it take for a Roman army to be like, you know what, there's enough blood. <laughs> oh my goodness. But Vercingetorix was taken into custody. Uh, he was taken to Rome and he sat in jail, prison for about five years. And then, unfortunately, uh, he was strangled. While in prison, yes, um, not not really the the hero's death, but yeah, it's just um, another reason why I picked this. There's there was some interesting things that also happened in this battle. Um, uh, the the Gauls actually technically almost defeated the Romans originally while they were building their uh, building the wall. They went out. There was a huge cavalry battle. Like, just, just basically imagine the end of Lord of the Rings is set instead of them taking on uh, the the row the row here, them taking on orcs. Just imagine them fighting other horsemen, basically. Sure. And they almost seized the day because they had essentially beaten the Romans that they were facing. 
but Julius Caesar had 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 a card up his sleeve, and that was he had some German allies with him. Oh, okay. And he basically just sent him in, and they fought so ferociously that some of the Gauls actually just jumped off their horses and tried to run back to the city. And Vercingedrix and a long line of just horrible choices uh, decided to close the doors on them. Huh. Dooming his own men. And yeah, he, interesting. It's, it's He made other very terrible choices. Um, he asked the, the civilians, like the sick, the old... Uh, the children, wives of the men, uh, to leave Alicia. So one, his army would have more food, but so they would be spared in case the place was actually attacked. Oh, sure. The Romans weren't about to let these people through because, you know, for all I know, they they could have been spies, could have been carrying information. Um, So they went back to the city. And Vercingetorix was just like, sorry, but we're not letting you back in. <laughs> and they were they were left in this no man's land between the Romans and the Gauls to essentially just starve to death. And it's just it's like how how did so much tragedy come from just one really bad decision? It's like, yeah. oh we're gonna we're gonna hold up in this town for a little bit. Maybe, maybe the Romans will just worry to tire themselves as they as they attack us. Yeah. What well, that kind of leads me to a question I have for you. What 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 would be your way into this story as far as cinematic storytelling? You know, I thought about that and. The only thing I could really, I, I really had as reference was kind of Braveheart, and sure, I, I know that sounds like a cheat, but uh, you know, kind of just start it with, uh, you know, all these, all these Gauls that are kind of everyone, everyone is just afraid of the Romans. They're tired of, you know, the Romans telling them what to do, and basically having Domus's land. Everyone kind of comes together. And the the twist I had was uh, kind of have like a strong, uh, very charismatic, powerful actor play versus uh, versus oh <laughs> the guy whose name you can't pronounce. Yeah, so would you kind of make him a little bit the central figure then, maybe, and then yeah. you'd still jump to other kind of things going on and yeah that (laughs) yeah so did you could you think of anyone you had in mind for that role like that you could see pulling that off if it were made next year yeah um actually you're you're probably gonna laugh but matthew mcconaughey okay (laughs) the guy from texas there you go Well, I mean, I, no, no, nothing's off limits, Dakota. Because if Antonio Banderas can play an Iraqi man, uh, there's no problems here. But interesting. So, here was my my idea: kind of do what they did in uh, in Spartacus, where uh, the Gauls kind of just all have uh, like 
I would say no accents would mean American accents. And then, sure, just kind of they're the mutts a little bit. Yeah, then have the Romans just kind of have like basically just uh, kind of like the Empire is, where they're just really stuffy British, like proper British people. Oh, so you're talking, you want to do, this is a complete classic sword and sandals, but just tell yeah. tell a fa- tell a fascinating story. Yeah, I thought it'd be like a nice little throwback. And then one thing that uh, I really always liked, you look at these old paintings of like what the Gauls were like, and they were like colorful and they had like interesting armor and uh, apparently they, they valued their swords because they, 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 they treated them like pieces of art. I'd go with like, um, like they would view their kind of way of life better than the Romans, you know, where it's like, you know, you, you imagine a Roman legion, it's all like, all the dudes look the same, they're all the same height. Sure. Wearing the same thing. Um, but yeah, I I just think that's the way you go. And then kind of just have uh, whoever it is that played Caesar, which once again, very stuffy kind of British guy, just have him be incredibly pompous and arrogant. <laughs> And you think you know how this is going to go. Like, he's going to go into Gaul, he's going to overestimate him, they're going to beat him. But no, it's, it's actually going to go the other way. And then just let the things that I told you about, you know, him uh, him kicking out the people, uh, just all these bad decisions he made, just kind of have him uh, play it off as, you know, he was he thought he was doing the right thing. Because really, when you get down to it, um, he he played it too safe, you know. Sure. I think that's what that's what doomed that's what doomed the Gauls. Unfortunately, because of this victory, uh, it's what propelled Caesar to kind of take over. Uh, well, he didn't necessarily create the Roman Empire, but to for his descendants to kind of come in and uh, take control of everything, and then Rome became the Rome we know it. Well, and then it. I mean. And then you have Julius being very theatrically assassinated. Also, <laughs> overall, you know, overall this empire type things and you yeah. know, how things should be run. So yeah, that that is interesting. This is kind of a a piece in the puzzle that you know, out of all the Roman movies that have been made, this is kind of that one piece that's been left out, hasn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah. I know where I know where the Dakota Boys talk movies, but. <laughs> Um, I, I, I saw the show Rome a long time ago, but I don't really remember it. Um, oh, the, uh, HBO show. It had what? A couple seasons. Yeah. Um, supposedly though, at the very beginning of that, you see the Romans, uh, you see Vercingetorix, uh, basically turning himself over to the Romans. Sure. So uh, there is, there is a point of reference for this. Like it was someone did at some point, like. Uh, problem with that show is they condense like 80 years of history into like, <laughs> into like 15 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was trying to think like who would be a good uh, Julius Caesar? Like what 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 decade you would know, Julius Caesar have been in at this point? He would have been uh, a little on the season side, a little older. Uh, I was thinking uh, if he wasn't so young and if he wasn't a ginger, the guy that was uh, – because apparently Julius Caesar was blonde. They never, 
and all the pictures I've seen of him, he always has dark hair, but apparently he was blonde. Okay. Um, I the what's the name? The guy that plays Hux in the the newest Star Wars movies. I think he would probably. Oh, gotcha. Uh, would, Donald Gleason. Yeah. I think Brendan would, Gleason's son. Yeah. Yeah, I was also kind of thinking, and you might laugh at this, but you know Tom Hiddleston. Possibly. That would actually... That would be a good one, too. You know, I could see him pulling that off. Uh, granted, it would probably end up getting compared a lot to, like, Loki. But I think he's capable of playing it differently. He's a pretty versatile actor, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Donald Gleason, that's not a bad choice either. It would be nice to see him get kind of a meaty role like this. I feel like uh, he's in a lot of things where you think it could be a meaty role, but he ends up kind of getting uh, pushed to the side a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So... Huh, yeah, Dakota, that was a excellent choice. I could tell you uh, really put a lot of thought and passion into that. So yeah, uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited for this movie that isn't even happening. So <laughs> you know, you know, if we wrote a treatment, Netflix would probably take. It, you right? know, it, it, <laughs> they're probably willing to take any screenplay at this point just to fill that stinking uh, fill that service, right? Oh yeah. So I mean, if you think about some of the crap Rome stuff they've made for Netflix. It'd be better than some of that. So, uh, something to kind of just add to is when I heard about this, I was just I was about sixteen, maybe fifteen, sixteen, and I thought it was. I thought I read it in a book, and I thought they had literally just made this up. I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't. They built a wall. What? And then like, <laughs> another wall. Who does this? Yeah, and there's moats, and it's like. <laughs> redirecting rivers <laughs> and, I, and, and the whole time i'm just sitting here thinking like what's the time frame on all this that they're building walls and trenches and moats you know is this over months or oh it's just cr the roman empire was just nuts just bananas when you think about it and i know there were like persian empires and the mongol empire and things like that but it's like it's just crazy to think about the things they did and like how quickly, of course, when you have like the whole world at your disposal or a good chunk of the known world at your disposal, I guess things do happen quickly. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, crazy, crazy. Uh, well, I got to admit, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. And, and you know, the, the fun thing, the interesting thing is this isn't even like, like I said, I, I, I had other examples. I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, but. Yeah, there's other ideas out there. Yeah, there were other things I was looking at, uh, too, and it was just kind of a matter of what I wanted to kind of pick first. And so I think this is definitely something we're going to come back to. Um, both of us enjoy history things and, and, and historical events and historical movies. And so, uh, yeah, definitely not something – hopefully th – this is definitely not a one and done, I guess put it that way. So, yeah. Uh, but with that being said, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're, hopefully you got interest in learning more about uh, uh, this chunk of uh, Roman history with the Battle of Lycia, or uh, just that uh, instigate a little bit of the instigator of the Civil War um, in John Brown's raid on Harper's Ferry, um, just these things where they get glazed over a little bit, kind of these events where it's like, uh, and then the next thing happened, or and then. You know, Caesar did this and then he was assassinated and just kind of like slow, yeah. slow down and kind of look at 
uh, what made these things happen or what made that person be uh, the person they became in some ways. And so, yeah, it's uh, interesting stuff. So, but yeah, that was a fun episode. Uh, uh, and hopefully you uh, stuck with us through this. I, I feel like it went pretty well. Hopefully, uh, uh, you know, I feel like the, the people that listen to us uh, are probably having a field day, but uh, <laughs> with the way I'm pronouncing this, <laughs> I, I'm honestly just thrilled that we were able to record this episode. And we didn't even let these, these, uh, uh, barriers of coronaviruses, uh, uh, keep us, keep, <laughs> keep us apart, Dakota. So, oh, well, with that being said, uh, we are going to continue to bring episodes regardless of viruses and things like that. You know, you know, I'm just going to throw this. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Wrap things up. It's good to know that since this went down without a hitch, that if there was a zombie apocalypse, at least we could do like a, our favorite <laughs> zombie movie before things go just really we, we would know? We would quickly do it before the zombies got to our state. So, <laughs> well... The zombies are only in Nevada, so we have time. <laughs> oh, hey, if that geez. was the case, we could end the episode by singing Zombie by the Cranberries. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to care about you know, copyright. In your head. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyway... <laughs> Uh, we, yeah, we hope you are liking and subscribing to all the places you can do that at. Uh, I can tell that a quarantine slash self distancing, self isolation stuff is going on because, uh, we've had a crazy amount of downloads over the past week, which got me excited to even start doing more episodes. Uh, so what's that? I said, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So thank you for, we're glad we can be the show you run to when you have nothing else to do. So (laughs) So continue to do so. We, we we thank you so much for that. And uh, we're trying to be a little more active on our Facebook page specifically. So hopefully you can interact with us there a little bit. Leave some comments and, and all those fun things. So let's go. Do you have anything else you'd like to throw in? Um, speaking of stuff to do, I just want to point out that uh, I have uh, I have read Dr. Sleep for the <laughs> third time. <laughs> I, I'm getting a little worried for you because we're already in this uh, more isolating time, and then you're reading Doctor Sleep like three times. <laughs> yeah, the, the library isn't open where where I live, and oh, uh, man. I gotta make do with the stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to mail you some books. <laughs> oh shoot, is the corner bookshop still open over there? By <laughs> I think it is anyway. Although I guess you have to buy books there. So, <laughs> so yeah, in, in my little town too, our library just officially uh, kind of closed up shop here for a time. So getting crazy. We'll see what happens. But uh, we'll push through and, and make do. So uh, this is Steven. This is Dakota. We'll see you later. Bye.